0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you out of the heart of Seattle, Washington is Studio 212 on the Soundcasting Network. This is Physical Culture Radio. I'm your dopest host with the most, Coach Greg Jones, at Coach Greg Jones, Instagram and Facebook, along with my super dope host, Chris Edmonds and his wife, Angela Edmonds today. And we are talking about overcoming the mind for success with a sports psychology kind of, uh, emphasis in today's episode and Chris and Angela, how are you two doing today?
1: Doing great, Greg. How about yourself, man?
0: Awesome. Not too bad. I'm getting through my injuries really well, you know, doing my chiropractic. Like I told you before, I'm maintaining over 220 pounds on my way up to 230 pounds, eating more food, um, getting the food down, working out on a regular basis, um, and getting through this shoulder thing, man, I'm, I'm uh, pretty stoked about 2019 and uh, pretty stoked to start a prep with you later this spring. And um, I'm actually pretty stoked about this episode today too, because we live in a world where competitors and doing diets and getting into a contest prep, whether you're a bodybuilder or just getting in shape for a vacation or what have you, there's a big mental component to this. And uh, Angela Edmonds, uh, Chris Edmonds' wife, is um, a clinical uh, social, licensed clinical social worker. And um, I'm going to go ahead and let Angela give her bio now. Uh, good to have you on, Angela.
2: Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Good um, to have you on. Yeah. So I, um, I am a licensed clinical social worker, and I focus mostly at this point in my career on um, detox, addictive medications, um, psychiatric medications, outpatient therapy, Um, also work with children who've experienced a lot of trauma. Um, At this point in my career, I am lucky enough to be able to train the next group of people to provide the services. Um, So I work with a lot of professionals, mostly professionals, and supervise a team of people who are actually providing the service. But I'm really excited to be here with you guys. So thanks for having me today.
1: Let me tell you guys how, how we met. Um, okay. you know, she was in the gym, uh, that I, I currently trained at or used to train on my first job as a personal trainer. And, um, she, uh, came up to me one day and said, I need you to train me. And I'm sure And was, this was like, how, long how long ago,
0: how long ago you're talking about ye- 12 years ago. Okay. okay.
1: Um, and I'm sure it was like major deer in the headlights panic. Uh, <laughs> um, and she giggles because, um, she actually worked, uh, as a client under my <laughs> original boss. So Uh I was like, "Um, (laughs) let me go talk to him first, Um, because at the time I was like, listen, a client's not going to be worth uh, losing my job over. So I went and chatted with him. And, you know, the grand scheme of life, he didn't care because money was money. And if she wasn't going to work with him, you know, I was willing to give her results. And he knew that. So um, she began uh, working as a a client for me um, for her first uh, NPC show and uh would, the funny thing is i was actually dieting for a show at the same time not the same one um but you know we kind of really bonded together because you know all, all of all of her friends all of my friends were clearly weren't dieting and we just needed something to do besides go out and eat and hang out at bars and stuff so we um, started hanging out and spending time together, and you know, we ate our diet food, and we you know went to the movies, or you know, you know, traveled up and down the East Coast with her work, um, just for fun to kind of get my mind off suffering and dieting. And um, we, you know, really form, formed formed a, a huge bond, which eventually led into her and I deciding to start a relationship. And it's something that I, I take so much so, pride in. Go ahead.
0: Let me ask you a quick question. Um, yes. How did that work transitioning from trainer client to relationship and did you keep training her or did you guys switch gears and just do a relationship and kind of a shared passion thing or how did that transition work?
1: Yeah. Um, So what's really funny is once word got around the gym that (laughs) we were dating, uh, my boss came to me and said, look, you can't get paid for her you right. can't get paid by her anymore to, to yeah. do training because it's a like, conflict right yeah he's like that perception of what she paying for is she paying for you to be her boyfriend is she paying for you to you know do all types of things and you know that the grand scheme of life like you're you're uh, the hot boy was, it,
0: you're the hot boy at that yeah.
1: point <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah 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 i'm not i mean again, he's like listen you can't be an escort <laughs> um right. or a gigolo, gigolo or whatever <laughs> the fuck you call that so um, what I would do is um, we had an agreement because, see, listen, she was still trying to get better for competitions, and I, in in her mind, I was still the best person at that facility to train her for that. So yeah.
2: and I had paid for a package. And, yes,
1: had paid for a full full program. So you know, in the grand Scheme of Life, like all my boss made me do was when I trained her, I would just simply take my work shirt off that you know had Gold's Gym on it, for example, and then I would just yeah. train her in like my workout clothes. Um, and that continued through her first national level show. Um, me working with her as a trainer, um, once we got into like living together full time and really, you know, in depth, like deep in a relationship, not like the beginning honeymoon phase where, you know, no one can do anything wrong. Um, we really found out that me doing her nutrition just wasn't, it was a huge conflict of interest because, uh, you know. As you know me, Greg, I I don't I don't accept bullshit. I I call people out on their mess like, you know, and and she'll tell you, like, I could I could guess her scale weight out of bed in the morning. And I'm sure living with that created so much stress and anxiety for her. I'll let her speak on that for a second. But, you know, she decided to go elsewhere for nutrition. And, you know, I was actually using Shelby Starns at the time. And I was like, hey, you know, let's get you linked up with Shelby as well. Cause I knew his attention to detail and um, I continue to train her all through her preps. So yeah. you know, she still loves working out as me training her one-on-one or, you know, she might join me for a few sessions here and there um, for lower body or back. She obviously isn't going to do like chest and arms with me, but um, you know, for a lower body workout, she can more than keep up. A kind of a funny story for you guys in the gym. If, if I'm going to hit the 150 pound dumbbells on incline dumbbell press, I trust her to spot me more than some random douchebag in the gym. And people always look at us weird when this little 115 pound girl is like, got my elbows spotted on 150 pound dumbbells. Like it's really fucking comical to look around, but I really do trust her. So I'll let her speak on, you know, why she chose or why we felt as as a team, it was best for her to go elsewhere for nutrition. Yeah.
2: Well, I think that the biggest thing was that it was too easy for me to say, Hey, honey, Let's go out and have a glass of wine and a nice steak dinner at right. X Y and Z restaurant, um, and he would say, "You know what? Yeah." And and so the problem with that is that that social you know, husband, wife thing kicks into play and he's not going to say no to me when I need, right. you know, Shelby didn't give a shit if I wanted to go out and eat dinner um, yeah. at a restaurant with my husband. He wanted me to look good on the stage and represent him. So, um, that was ultimately the biggest thing. And, and I knew I could get away with it. I knew I could look at him and bat my eyes and say, honey, you know, put on a low cut top and say, let's go out to dinner. And he'd say, okay. Um, right. so ultimately we just decided that that, you know, wasn't good for either of us. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Now do you it's funny because I, you know, my on again off again um IFBB Pro workout partner Mark Dugdale from the Northwest. I know him and his wife Christina and they have both competed at the same time way back in the day and then she ended up, you know, having three daughters and not competing anymore, but she knows his body probably better than maybe even John Meadows does as as Mark's coach because when he'll be dieting for a show, she she sees Mark every day and she'll look at him and she'll go, uh, "Honey, you're flat. You need more carbs. You're not you're not coming in yet." And do you do you guys find that with each other or back and forth? And does that take place?
1: Yeah, easily, easily. Yeah. Um, so you can stay. Body,
0: but- yeah, and you can stay objective. It's not subjective like you're telling them what they want to
1: hear. And you're like no Wait. she doesn't it's, it's balls yeah. to the wall she tells me the truth and that's why i trust it um yeah. and you know I, I think i made a post about this the other day like or i made a message you in a text and said you know she knows when i need to hug she knows when i need a kick in the ass um, right and those are two very different moments and um you know she's yeah, been yes they been are. With me when i when i've competed at 170 and she's been with me when i've competed over 200. Um, and that's a big difference. That's a big difference. Um, she's known me when I was competed as a natural and then an NPC. So, you know, watching that growth and, and process, you know, she knows what my body looks like when I'm ready, when I'm not ready, when I need to drop the hammer, when she'll be like, the like this last prep. I mean, she made a comment one day. She's like, God, this is the fullest you've ever been. You have not gotten skinny once. And to me, I, I valued that feedback. More than even, even Matt, because he didn't know my body before then. She's known right. my body for the last 12 years. And what I looked like during a prep over the course of, you know, running your body flat versus depletion versus full and car bloated versus, you know, spilled over. Like, yeah, she's seen all that. She's seen it in the hotel room. She's seen it 24 seven because, you know, she used to tan me. I mean, obviously we lived together full time. She'd come to the gym, you know, once, twice a day throughout that whole prep. So her eyes were always on me. Um, one of the cool things about our relationship is we haven't spent that much time apart. Um, so she sees me on a day to day basis. So I know that I can speak for that for her. That's fucking glorious. I I need that in my life. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, you know, with with her, like
0: it's a struggle, it's a fucking struggle. If you don't have anybody helping you do that stuff and you're running businesses and training people and. Trying working out and trying to the meals are freaking hard. It's not easy, guys. It's not to have somebody support yeah. you in the, in those efforts along the way is
1: huge. Yep. I mean, you can speak about what the first, vice versa about that is
2: Well, I mean the 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 truth is, at the end of a contest prep, you're psychotic. Your mind's your your brain's not firing on all cylinders at that point. And you know, the great thing about our relationship is I can look at him and say now. Now you, Greg, I know you don't know me, but I, yeah. I think one of the things Chris really liked about me when we first met was that I am brutally honest. Um, you know, I'm like that in my practice. I'm like that with our kids. I'm like that, you know, with him. Um, I don't have a lot of filter a lot of the times. And so I can say, you're not going to want to hear this right now, but you know, you look like shit. I need, you know, you're going to have, you gotta, t- you gotta tell your coach this, you're flat, you're whatever. Um, and he'll pout and be mad for a couple minutes, but then he's like, you know what? You're Right. Um, yeah. cause it, you, you know, if you've competed, you, you've been there, you know, it just, you're just crazy. You cannot objectively look at yourself in the mirror and no. say, Oh, I look good. Or no, I need this because you just don't, you don't know in that moment what you need.
1: Right. Here's, a, here's a cool story for you, Greg. Um, I was probably 10 weeks out from the last time i would worked with Shelby and he, I sent him an update. It was on a Saturday morning and, um, I'd already bought all my food for that night for a cheat meal. And at that point, he was giving me cheat meals weekly, sometimes twice a week. And I sent him my update on Saturday. I went and trained. By the time I got back in the car, his update came through. And he said, Everything looks great. I need you to speed the process up. Cut your cheat mail. The whole way home, I cursed, I was pissed, I was just losing my fucking mind. She drops me off at the house and says, I'm gonna give you 15 minutes alone. <laughs> chill the fuck out. This is what you need. This is what you pay him for. So she took her and Ty, got in the car. They went and ran a couple errands. They came back, and all life was good. Um, you know, and I think a lot of times people in that situation who don't have anyone to lean on or to trust or a second opinion, like it's very easy to seek out your friends, and they're going to tell you what you want to hear of. All it's going to hurt you if you have that cheat meal like you have. Like he won't even know. Just do a little extra cardio. And God forbid if I went in there and started smashing cookies or pancakes or I can't remember exactly what he had me eating at the time, she'd have knocked that shit out of my fucking hand and said, toughen the hell up. You want strided glutes, get your ass on the fucking treadmill downstairs and shut the fuck up. And that's powerful. And that's something that is, as I've said to you many times, she is irreplaceable in my life just for that purpose. Not to mention how much I love and care about her, but in terms of a contest prep, like come on, like n- many people need someone to help them remain accountable. And if it's a coach and you also have a spouse that does the same, that's to me, like an unbeatable combination and something yeah. I'm forever internally great, grateful for. So, yeah. So
0: Angela, uh, tell me and all the listeners and, and, and Chris as well, why people fail uh, versus succeed when they're doing diets and um, your take on kind of motivational levels and, and, and how hard it is with the training and, and, and nutrition.
2: Sure. So uh, first I will say that, you know, if you Google motivation, why people fail, why people succeed, you're going to get a thousand theories. There, there are millions of theories in the world about you know, why people succeed and why people don't. Um, You know, in my mind, there are three basic components of motivation and motivation and personality really go hand in hand and we'll talk, you know, I can talk a little bit about both, but first of all, you have to make the decision to commit to whatever the task is. So if it's a show that you want to do, you have to make that commitment. Um, Again, fat really applies to any kind of wherever you are in life with your fitness and where you want to go. You got to first decide, yes, I want to do this. Yes, I'm going to do it. And and here's my plan of action of how this is going to happen. And maybe you hire a coach, maybe you, um, you know, start a new diet, whatever it might be. The second part of that that is really the hardest part is the persistence, right? You have to continue doing whatever it is that is making you meet that goal. If I'm a if I aspire to be a D1, you know, division 1 punter, then I've got to be practicing punting every day. Same thing with diet, nutrition, cardio. You got to you got to stay the course. You have to do it if you want to lose fat, you got to, you know, eat watch what you eat. Every, you know, with every meal, you have to make sure you're doing things in the gym that are burning fat, yep. um, you know, for bodybuilders, it's going to be the opposite. You still got to watch what you eat, but making sure you are getting the good source of the stuff you need, plus you're getting those heavy weightlifting sessions in. So it's that continued effort. And that's where most people drop off, right? Because yep. it's hard and it's continuous and there's no time frame. And, you know, there's this meme going around right now that's really funny. And it says, my husband and I started a diet on January 1st, husband Cuts coffee creamer, loses 10 pounds, wife ran a marathon, got the stomach bug, um, you know, never missed a, 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 had a perfect meals and gained 10 pounds. Um, But that's, that's where it is. That's, it's, it's staying that course. And then the bottom, you know, the third part of that is how hard do you have to work for it? So, you know, how hard I have to work to lose, you know, 15 pounds to do a, a, a contest bikini show is very Different than what Chris has to lose To get on stage to you know To do a to, to do a bodybuilding show um, right. You know the, the Amount of work you have to put into it Is very different and for some people They can stay the course you know whenever I get Ready to do a prep I hear people say to me oh my Gosh this is so easy for you You lose weight so fast And what they haven't seen is the six Months prior to that when I've you know Made perfect meals and I've you know, gone to the gym when I was supposed to and probably cried in the, in the bed because I was so tired I couldn't lift my head up um, and continue to be a mom and all those things. So let, yeah.
1: me, let me say two things. I'm gonna jump in here, Greg. So two things to me, um, her and I had the same nutritionist for a long time. And before the show, I remember it was like a week out. Shelby had pulled all my cardio out. He pulled back on my volume of training and it was increasing food drastically. She was still on the treadmill running sprint intervals for 22 straight fucking minutes um, with no carbs. And and he was running her ass into the ground up until Friday. He made her train. I was sitting around with my fucking feet propped up, eating rice faster than, fast as I could get it down. And I was losing fat or sorry, losing scale weight doing that not exercising, pounding carbs. She, her body fat was sticking and was doing all that exercise. And, you know, I can only imagine the mindset of her thinking, look, look at this fat fuck over here sitting here chilling, <laughs> watching TV. <laughs> and I'm up here running sprint yeah. intervals as fast as I fucking can and can't get my body or scale weight or uh, body fat or to just the way she needed to. Now, at the grand scheme of life, she ended up looking incredible. But it's just funny, like, how different it takes people to get certain goals. Now, yeah. at one point in that prep, she was actually ahead of me body fat-wise, meaning she was leaner and closer to her end goal than I was. And that was actually the story I just told about him cutting my cheat meal. I drastically caught up once I did that and and surpassed her level of leanness. But I was, dear God, I better be leaner than Bikini Girl. Yeah. But <laughs> Careful. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was just, that was a jab at her, by the way. <laughs> um, the uh, But, you know, that, that proves, like, the end result, it doesn't matter what you have to do. And so many people get caught up in that of this person's eating a ton more carbs and not doing exercise, as much exercise. And yet they're leaner than me versus me over here, zero carb and doing tons of cardio and training 14 times a week. Like, yeah. That's something we really need to impress upon people. is it's, it's the end result, not what it takes to get there. There's going to be some preps or some diets that you do to lose fat. It's going to be harder than others. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends where you start. But the end day, is, where you finish is going to be the exact same spot. So that's one thing that kind of ties into what she was saying that I saw firsthand. But then the second thing that I'd like for her to talk about is, um, about the mindset, her coworkers, her friends, her family. I've heard her then say plenty of times, you're married to a trainer, nutritionist. This has got to be super easy for you. And I'd just like for you to talk about that. Cause I know it pisses you off. Uh,
2: <laughs> well, I think the problem is that, you know, I- for me, you know, there's two types of motivation, right? There's intrinsic and there's extrinsic motivation. So if I'm an intrinsic motivation kind of person, it's within me. It's 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 my drive for myself. What's my why kind of kind of thing? You know, why am I doing this? Um, for you know, for some people, it's about rewards and trophies and what their peers think. Thank God I'm not extrinsically motivated because um, I would chronically probably let my peers down. But one of the things that you'll see with that is that for me, for example, it's hard to live with Chris as a bodybuilder. Like it's hard not to be on a plan 24 seven while he is. Um, it's hard to, you know, if I was somebody who was concerned about what he thought every time I put something in my mouth, we wouldn't be married because, um, it it just wouldn't work. I, I don't, Chris is, and I'm sure you guys know this from his Instagram. I mean, all you see is true about Chris. He he follows his plan twenty four seven. Oh,
0: he walks his walk. He
2: he, he absolutely uh, he walk, does. He walks the talk, rather. Yeah, he does. And you know, one of the things I said to him, you know, after our son was born, and you know, Chris is a great father. He would, you know, I'd be breastfeeding and he's feeding me. And, you know, it was it was a it was a real struggle when we first had our youngest son. Um, but you know, one thing I said to him is, you know, my whole life changed and yours didn't. And part of that is because he is so motivated by his goals, his intrinsic goals, who he is, that he can say, I can't miss my gym session today. Just because I just had a newborn and, and, you know, in a lot of ways, that's a positive. And that's, that just shows his character and who he is as, as a person. I value that. I look up to that because yeah. I'm, that's not me. I'm not like that. And so that's another reason I think we probably work well together yeah. is that while he stays the course, I'm one of those pe- people that tends to, you know, have a broad range of interests and well, you can you know, turn it really on turn and off.
0: Else. You can turn it on and off. There's no off switch with Chris. Yeah. Which right. is good Absolutely. because driven people, that's how they succeed. There's no fucking off yes. switch. Let Absolutely. me ask, you know, let, a, me ask you really cool. let me ask
1: you a question. Let's let me start this real fast, Greg, and you can pound that question. What's yeah. really crazy is what drives her anxiety is eating chicken every night for dinner. That <laughs> makes her anxiety go up. If I don't have chicken for dinner, my anxiety goes up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's a true story. <laughs>
1: oh, that's funny. Um, So (laughs) that just shows you that, you know, as much as I'd say, like, sometimes we're similar and in some respects we're drastically different. Um, When when she finished that original prep with me, I had a bunch of chicken prepped for when we got home and she was like, fuck you. I'm not eating that. And I was like, wow, it's time to start gaining lean tissue again. (laughs) And she's like, can we go eat Mexican? I'm like, fuck you. No. (laughs) So go ahead with your question, man.
0: (laughs) So my question Angela for you is what per, in your opinion, what percentage of the people out there can do this shit like Chris can or what people, what percentage of the people need accountability and need something, somebody barking at them and telling them what to do and how to do it? Otherwise, they won't stay the course. What do you think that division is between um, having to have accountability and being self-reliant in that respect?
2: Yeah, I would say the 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 percentage of people like Chris is very small. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say probably obviously this is just a guess, but I would say, you know, literally 10 to 15% of people are like that. Yeah. And yeah. those are the people that we watch on Sunday afternoon playing football, you know, those are the people who are winning the Olympia. Those are those are the, you know, top tier people that, um, you know, those are the people that have that, oh God, what's it called? That need for achievement. It's that in, in, in is what they call it. Um, which is a new coined phrase, but, you know, those are the people who are able to push their mind and their body to absolute limits. Um, You know, they, they love the internal and external drive, but stuff like this becomes a drug for them. So it's almost like if I had an addiction to heroin, you know, I'm going to be using that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to crave it. I'm going to need it. I'm going to get upset if I don't know where my next hit's coming from. Um, Same thing with this stuff with somebody like Chris, he literally gets physically, like you can see it on him. We were, at a wrestling match this week. And he looked at me and said, um, I need to eat. How much longer are we going to be here? Um, because that's, that's him. That's what he thinks about. And that, that takes over. And I would say those are the people, you know, those are the people that are climbing Everest because it's that thrill seeking, um, you know, push to do something that is just, you know, way off the charts for most yeah. other people.
1: So is that, a you know, no, it's, it, it, would it, that it, be, it's one of those, Go ahead, Greg. We're going would to to interrupt would, you
0: again. Would, would that be considered a neurosis or like an OCD <laughs> thing uh, um, among the top athletes and top, top performers in different fields? Or is that a natural kind of progression that you would want a normal person to see and to kind of display those traits, Angela?
2: I don't think it's a neurosis in some ways. I think it is about. Um, I think it is about that compartmentalizing organizational mindset. Yeah. So I was reading an article recently about a male-dominated mind and a female-dominated mind, and one of the things the article talked about was a. You know, one of the now. Hear me say that this is just a, a theory. This is not set in stone, but one of the. Um, thoughts about autism, for example, is that it's a very, it's somebody with a very male dominated mind because they compartmentalize stuff. Um, there is some tendency, a lot of tendency toward aggression, but it's really about how it's very black and white. It's very, there's no gray area in the middle. There's no Mexican food in the middle. It's you eat chicken and rice or you eat steak and potato. Um, There's not a lot of, you know, middle ground where more female dominated mind is, is really motivated by peers and peer influences, which is why you see a lot of eating disorders, are more likely to happen in females than in males, because in females, you know, we're worried about, it's not about how much fat I have on me. It's, oh my God, my friends think I look fat or how am I going to look in this? And it's a perceived perception about how you look rather than how you actually physically look.
1: Yeah. You know, here's what's crazy, man. One of the things that when I asked her one day why and how I am, um, she looked at me and she said, um, you are the way you are because when, when I lost the ability or the ability was taken away from me to play football, um, I, I found bodybuilding because I could control it. Um yeah. meaning I could control how hard I worked, I can control how hard I trained, I can control what went into my mouth, I can control when I went to sleep at night. And I almost felt like I was robbed um of a full collegiate career of football because of a of a simple mistake my mom and I made and it's one of those things I, I felt really victimized by that, and it's probably the only thing that I was like truly pissed off about in my life. But it led me into bodybuilding, and that's one of the things you know I talk to you about and a lot of my clients about is I love this shit because I can control everything within my power to get better. Yeah. Um, if I if I get fired working with John, it's because I don't work hard. It's because I don't produce client results. It's because I treat people poorly um if i succeed on a bodybuilding stage it's because i ate my diet food i starved and did my cardio um and i had a successful offseason. season and to me that's why this world has become super easy to me is because it's within my power to control and i have dominance over that um which kind of leads into <clears throat> my personality so if you want to talk about some different personality traits and how those succeed or are different. That'd be great.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, and but and before I even go into that, I do want to say that, you know, hot off the presses, there's brand new research about the brain. And, um, you know, I refer to this world a lot as a, you know, it, it's it's an addictive kind of position that we, that people get into when they're into fitness, you know, they, whatever it might be, they get it and they get become obsessive about it. Um, there's brand new hot off the press researches where it used to be that um, you know the cerebellum in the brain is really in charge charged with motor functioning only, up to this point. That's what all the textbooks will tell you, um, but what they've actually found is that there may actually be a um, a drive in your behavior because the dopamine that's released from the VTA is actually being driven by the cerebellum in the brain. So what that means is that your actions are happening literally because of a release of dopamine. So, you know, he gets that anxious feeling and says, okay, I gotta go to the gym, it's one o'clock, ding, 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 it's time for me to get in the car. Because the body is actually, the motor skills in the, in, the, in the body are actually saying, okay, now is your time. You got to get in the car. You got to drive to the gym. You have to lift, you know, and do this, these exercises. And then you come home and you get, so that you get that um, dopamine release, that pleasure center of your brain is satisfied and you yeah. you almost get a high from it.
0: Right. And so, I think a lot of that, well, part of that's the reptilian brain, right? And creating a yep. habit. So you have a cue that, you know, it's a a pleasure-seeking thing that you seek. There's a cue to it. The cue may be getting up in the morning, having coffee. You know you're going to go work out and the habit is working out. So then you, when you work out, that's the reward center um, being acted upon. And then you get that dopamine release. And I think it's a habit thing too. I think people... But, and there's good habits and there's bad habits, right? And that's where drug addictions are. That's where alcohol addictions, everything else, or, you know, whatever, you know, people can, you know, there's hoarders, there's all kinds of weird habits people get into. Yeah. But I, I think creating a fitness lifestyle habit where you're working out, where you're eating correctly, where you're worried about those things and and seeking the reward center being pleasured for working out, I think that's a positive habit, positive addiction myself.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's one of the things, you know, in, in addiction medicine, that's one thing we look at, you know, it's, it's, you're, you're not, if you have an addictive type personality and we can talk about the personalities, um, but if you have an addictive type personality, that's not going to change. Your personality doesn't change because you go through a 12 step program or because you go through a suboxone detox or whatever it might be. Your personality just, it just develops, it it shifts. And so your addiction now is not to drugs or, you know, whatever hoarding it's now to working out and fitness and living a healthier lifestyle. And, you know, there are positives, a lot of positives in that. So, and, and it can't, it's not just fitness and exercise, but those are, those are the big ones that you see, you know, a lot of people who A lot of rehab facilities have gyms in them for this very reason to try to you know shift your thinking into a more positive. This isn't going to hurt me. This is going to help me kind of and still get that release and that feeling of excitement and happiness and And all that good stuff that happens.
0: And I think that's where Chris and I um, are very similar is we were athletes. We played football. And we, when we were done with that, and not on the field anymore, not practicing, not in the off season, not running, not doing sprints—all the things you do year round for for to to be a better football player. What's next? And I mean, listen, you know,
1: I'm sure you can share this, man. From a, from the age of five till uh, to, until college, yeah, my singular purpose was to play in the NFL. Right. End of story. And there was no other. And, then, and when that. When I woke up and that was no longer a possibility, I was lost. I didn't know what the fuck to do. I, um, yeah.
0: I got to tell you a funny story. I, when I was seven go. years old, or I might have been six, so it was a year or two before my parents started letting me play football, which was at eight. Um, I we, we, we would watch the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they were my favorite team, and Terry Bradshaw and, and, and the Steel Curtain and all that stuff. Um, and I'd watch it with my dad. We'd watch the Huskies uh, every, every weekend and i went to my parents and i said i want to play football and they said well why and i said well my whole life that's all i've ever wanted to do and it, it i saw that i wanted that i saw the players on tv i saw the camaraderie i saw the brotherhood and i decided as a as a young child that's what i fucking wanted to do and i did it for 15 years and had some offers playing in europe and canada and uh, had a real successful college career um was n- never able to make my uh any kind of an NFL uh dream come true but but w- was successful nonetheless and that started early so when that died it was I I needed something else I I jumped into martial arts and then jumped into bodybuilding because you need a physical component you you need something
1: when you have it yep all right let's dig into these personality traits that's
2: really interesting to me so there are five big personality traits, and yep. um, you know, as I go through these, try to figure out which one you fit into. Um, for and these are in no particular order, by the way. But um, neuroticism, which is a tendency towards anxiety, it's that self doubt. It's the people who are you know shy, depressed a lot. They harbor negative feelings. Um, they you know tend to be the Debbie Downer, so to speak, of the group. Um, This next one is about openness, a broad range of interests, creative, open to new things, new challenges. Um, If you look at my work career, that's me because I always end up taking on new new projects. But these are the people who bounce from thing to thing to try to um, that. That's what makes them feel good. That's what gets them off, so to speak. Conscientiousness. Um, those people are, have a lot of. They're, they're thoughtful, and cr- they're, everything they do has a purpose. It's, it's about increased impulse control. It's goal-directed, specific goal-directed behavior. Um, they're very orga- organized. They're very mindful to detail. They live in a box, and they want to stay in that box, kind of speak, so to speak. Yep. Um, The extroversion people are the center of attention. These are the people that you walk into a room and you're automatically drawn to them. Um, You know, they're social, they're talkative, they're assertive. They have lots of emotional expression. I talk with my hands. I know you guys can't see me, but, um, you know, my hands are always moving when I'm talking. They feed off other people. They get excited from the energy in the room of everybody else. Um, and then there's the people who are super agreeable. They're trusting. They're altruistic. They're kind, affectionate, very pro-social. Um, you know, these are people we tend to think of as gullible in some ways. You know, they believe people. They trust in people. They read something on Google and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's." They take that for you know for the gospel when it when it may or may not be true.
1: Right. Great. Let me tell you a funny story about Angela so you guys can get a feel for her personality. Um, <laughs> in middle school and high school she played softball her whole life she was a cheerleader right yeah she goes to college and decides fuck that i want to play lacrosse after never picking up a sticker in her entire life right um and i'm like my mind is like literally blown right so she goes to her college becomes a starter after one year at a center at center um just because she decided she was done playing softball and i'm like (laughs) hold on why don't you want to go to college and play softball you played all through your whole life. Like, what would make you want to change that? And she's like, I don't know. i will just bored. I wanted something new. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm like, I can't imagine just waking up one day and be like, you know what? Golf looks really fun. Like, Let's yeah. just go try that. And let's do it at a collegiate level. Um, no, that was, she just like woke up and said, hey, fucking, I'm going to go be a starter on my uh, college lacrosse team after never having thrown a ball in her entire life with a stick. Yeah. So,
2: It's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think, some,
0: and I think some athletes can get away with that. Some people are talented yeah. enough; they can do that. Most people can't, so there, there, there's something to be said for somebody that can switch gears like that and be able to, yeah, get a new endeavor. Well, and I
2: think it's—I'm not an in-the-box kind of person. I, um which is why I don't like chicken every freaking night, right? Mm-hmm. So I am not somebody who can follow literally the same meals every day for every meal one through five and then be okay with it I'm miserable I literally become sick to my stomach over it like I look at it and I'm like I can't eat that I don't, I don't. and Chris thinks I'm crazy because that's not how he operates but you know our personalities are that different you know I don't right which is why I argue he will always long-term be way more successful than I will. Can I be successful in this? Absolutely. I have the power to turn it on. When I turn it on, it is on. I am in full steam ahead mode, which is why I could do something like pick up lacrosse, um, you know, in in my first year in college as a freshman, but he is somebody that would never do that. He would lean towards well, you know, bodybuilding's familiar in some ways because I lifted weights for football and I had to get stronger for football. And, you know, it kind of all blends together, so.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, that, that that speaks to, and I'll give you a little bit more about our personality. You know, she's done figure. She has done bikini. She's run half marathons. She's done CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's insane to, I mean, listen, she's an uh, Orange Theory instructor before the sun comes <laughs> up in the morning which is like high intensity, uh, for you guys that don't know, it's like high intensity intervals uh, at, at a studio gym. So yeah. like the spectrum there is insane. Like to me, I could not imagine waking up and not going to do back on Monday. Um, like my brain would want to fall into pieces trying something completely outside the box because that's just not my personality. So, yeah. you know, that, and then to me, it's one of those things of like, it's like long-term achievement. Like I like building a giant puzzle and putting it together at the end, as opposed to a bunch of little small ones. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of cool personality differences.
0: So how how much of this um, do we get? Nature versus nurture. So how much of this is in our nature um, and given to us from our parents? How much of it is a genetic link, and 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 then the nurtured or or the lack thereof, Angela.
2: Great question. Um, so here here are my thoughts on this. Um, first of all, if you know, Chris was lucky enough to grow up in a two parent household where his mom stayed home, his dad provided for the family. Um, you know, they were, you know, middle, upper middle class family growing up, you know, had pretty much anything, you know, had their needs met on a daily basis. Um, you know, whereas, you know, a lot of the families I work with are not so lucky you know they don't know where their next meal is coming from they don't um, you know have the same type of dynamic growing up as, as, as someone like Chris did so one of the things that you have to look at is what and obviously a coach isn't gonna ask all these questions by the way but internally if you're somebody who is competing you know you have to look at your childhood you know what was that like if you're not successful why not what what's happened and, you know, if you ever watch things like um, sometimes we get obsessed with My 600 Pound Life, um, you know, one of the things that is on there is they require now their their people to go through therapy. And part of that is because you can't change the body without changing the mind. And so when you see those people, you start to hear about their stories. It's, you know, someone was raped repeatedly by their uncle or father. Um, you know, some of the people had, um, you know, mom, mom was addicted to drugs their whole life and sold the sold the person as Um, you know, a way to, to get their drugs that they needed. You know, there's all these traumas that you hear that will come up in these extreme situations. So one of the things I I, I talk a lot about and I study a lot is trauma. What kind of trauma was in your past that you're, you're still dealing with now that affects your behaviors. And that's what it's all about. The mind affects the behavior. Um, Trauma resets your personality. So whatever you were dispositioned, whatever you were born with, if you've experienced a major trauma, your your personality is not the same anymore. It's been reset, so to speak.
1: Can you give us some examples of what deeper trauma
2: are? Um, rape. Um, you know, incest, uh, physical abuse, um,
0: mental abuse, verbal. I would assume.
2: Mental, yeah, absolutely, any yeah. kind of you. You know, if you're told from the time you're you're born to the time you're, you know, as long as you're at home, that you're terrible, that you're worthless, that you, you know, why, you know, you hear a lot of stories sometimes where um, the fathers are kind of like the dominant person in the home. And, you know, I hear people say to me, well, my dad, I was never, I was never good enough or for mom, it doesn't have to be a dad, but you know, that I was never good enough in their eyes. And so part of that is because they didn't feel that sense of belonging, that sense of an intimate relationship with that person that they were desperately trying to please. So it was, you know, So man, yeah, I saw you. (laughs) Okay, short story. When I was in high school, I banned my dad from ever coming to another softball game. (laughs) Because every time he came, I was a straight A student, by the way, I would skip school all the time. It didn't matter because I still had straight A's. Um, I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. And you know, when he would come to my game, he would tell me everything I did wrong. And as a Um. female, as a 16-year-old female, I couldn't handle that anymore and because I am who I am, I said, "You know what? You're not don't ever show up at my game ever again. Wow. I don't want to see you here because I can't deal with it anymore." And and that was because I I was constantly trying to please him and I was constantly getting shut down. It was, "Well, you know, that was great that you hit a double, but that really should have been a triple. You didn't run fast enough." Or, "I can't believe you missed that ball. Why didn't you jump? Why didn't you run, f-? you know, whatever it might have been." So, you hear that chronic need for people to be to feel loved and to feel appreciated and cherished, and that start—that's a deep-seated, intrinsic instinct that you have from birth. You need right. to feel that love. Yeah. Um, so you know, in the deeper that trauma is, the more significant it is, the harder it is to change any behavior that you have associated with it. So you'll hear some people who, uh, of course, I'm giving you generic examples, L- but
1: can we make it a hard one? So yeah. you've seen Generation Iron the growing up of how Kai Green did in a foster care system without parents versus Phil Heath, who was like what I would Phil Heath grew up like I did. Both loving parents, never wanted everything financially, played Division One college basketball. Yeah. And then transitioned very easily into being Mr. Olympia. Now those are two of the greatest physiques of all time with very differing backgrounds. How did they get there? Despite, you know, different being raised different.
2: Sure. So when when you look at Kai Green, I mean, he had, when you think about a, a hierarchy of needs, so to speak, um, you know, one of the very basic needs you have is food, shelter, water, right? You, you got to have a place to sleep. You got to have food to eat. You know, he grew up, there were times in his life where he really struggled for that, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, he had the personality. He was able to learn how to adapt later on in life. So he was able to take that and not poor woes me on it, he was able to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to use this to be better. But part of that, if you look back at his story, part of that is why did he get involved in bodybuilding?
1: Because he needed an outlet for aggression.
2: He needed an outlet for aggression, but who was behind him?
1: No one.
2: Right. But then he found a coach or he found somebody in the gym, right? If I'm remembering the story correctly. So he found this person who was willing to shepherd him in a lot of ways. Right. So that's where he got that need met. Yeah. He and, found that one person that believed in him.
0: Yeah. Another prime example of that's Mike Tyson. Yeah. So he grew up yeah. with a really shitty childhood and, you know, a bad household. And then Cus D'Amato, his trainer, kind of took him and was like that father figure to him. Yeah. But then when Cus died, so, he he fell apart. And, you know, yeah. so that trauma right. came, And that's that And tra- that's exactly it. Yeah.
2: You're exactly right. That's exactly it. And, and, you know, when you can you can escape from your past, it's not impossible. Um, you can get by. You can have the worst things in the whole world happen to you. But when you find that one part, if you're missing love and you're missing, you know, food and shelter, you get that taken care of. And then you find somebody that you actually belong to and that's important to you. Those people are driven extrinsically. Right. right? They need somebody to say, hey, great job. You You did that look at you. I'm so proud. And they're able to take that and like, you know, i mean, Green loves the attention, right? Yeah, he, he gets it on the streets, right? He does his little dances and he wears his little mask and he gets that attention and people love it. And he, enjoys it and it makes him happy it gives them that self of you know self it, it boosts the self-esteem so he can keep going yeah.
1: I, mean, I think he kind of got off on uh beating people who had a great family system I mean absolutely I mean, he, he's getting ready to walk out on stage and he said he remembers as a teen beating the kids who'd have like his parents and his friends and he's like I had no one and I went out there and I just wiped the floor with them and I, I think to him that's the reason bodybuilding was so great because it doesn't matter your socioeconomic status it doesn't matter your heritage it's what can I control and what am I given from God via genetics to take bodybuilding to the next level? Yep. Um, which is really cool because to me, I mean, that shows you two men, one with a great background who achieved greatness, one with a poor background who would still achieve greatness. At the end of the day, I would say that Phil Phil Heath is less likely than Kai Green as a whole. Um, and I think people kind of hitch their wagons to, and I know I personally, that's why I think I am drawn to him is because he didn't let any obstacle or you know, shit that was thrown his way, get in his path of becoming the greatest bodybuilder on the planet. Right. And to me, that kind of leads us into what would you say the chief differences are? And I'm sure, Greg, you see this all the time in working with males versus working with females.
2: Well, before before we move to that, I do want to I do want to say one thing. Kai Green was able to be successful because he had all those basic needs met before he moved on. In a real life example, if you you know, are a client and you're, you know, you're getting ready to do it. You want to do a bodybuilding show, but you're losing your job and you have a wife and kids to take care of at home. And you have, you know, all that stress. You've lost those basic needs being met. You've lost being able to feed yourself and feed your family. And it's almost impossible to, st- for most people, not everyone, to be able to to go forward and and keep keep working from that. And, and again, I mean, it, it As we transition to male to female, I mean, I can give myself as an example. I had our three-year-old and thought he's three now. But at the time when he was a newborn, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, I can't figure out how to make all this work. And part of that is because women and men are very different. Like I said before, Chris kept on with his life. You know, he would train at his time. he He would eat his meals where I'm struggling to even take a shower, much less be able to eat, you know, a meal that's deemed somewhat, I, th- I, th- I think I
1: actually got bigger when he was born because I would eat an extra meal when I get up to get his bottles. Yeah, I think it- you probably did too. I think you probably did too. True. <laughs> I think I was actually growing at a faster rate, Greg, which is fucking hilarious. Um, and she's over here suffering. I'm like getting better. Yeah, so. it's ridiculous. <laughs>
2: Um, so anyway, males versus females are very, it it is different because our personalities are very different. And, you know, um, to, to quote that, that old book, women are from Mars, men are from Venus. Um, it it is, they did this study. They used they had 10,000 participants in the study, almost all of them. It was Almost all of them were Caucasian, so keep that in mind. They were absolutely all from the United States. So there were no cult, not a lot of cultural, so to speak, variations from other countries involved in this. Um, There was only a 10% overlap in personality. So half of them were men, half of them were women. Women scored higher in sensitivity, warmth, and apprehension. Okay, so apprehension, this is why men are more likely to be in car accidents and why your insurance is higher, right, because that part of your brain isn't developed as early as it is typically in females. Um, where men score higher in emotional stability. So they're able to to not care what other people think about them um, and to keep that emotional, where when our child was little and he wouldn't eat and he stopped breathing at night a couple times and I was freaking the hell out, Chris was like, it's cool, everything's fine now, I don't see what the problem is. <laughs> um, he's still breathing, we're good, right? So, because he was much more emotionally stable than I was. Men tend to be more dominant, they need to be real, more rule conscientious and they need to they tend to be more vigilant with stuff. So, I mean, looking at that from that only, Men typically should be more successful in stuff like this. Obviously, this is a generalization. Right. I am completely a feminist. I will tell you that now, um, but I do believe that some of this is actually it, it actually exists. You know, Chris and I were just having a conversation today about I don't remember toxic what,
1: masculinity, toxic
2: masculinity, and gender <laughs> gender differences. And he will tell you that he and I fight about this stuff all the time. But one of the things they found in this study is that the difference between men and women's personality is just as large as sex differences in aggression or vocational interests. So, you know, typically there are jobs that are male or female dominated. I'm in a job that's typically female dominated. Most of the people at the executive level where I am are males. Explain that to me. You know, 80% of the people in my field are, are women, but of the top tier of the companies, they tend to be men. So, and part of that is because women tend to want to be in that position where they're helping people and men don't, they want to be in the black and white in the finance and the, you know, the business aspect and that kind of thing. So I don't know that that's because of a sexist issue more than it is just about the personality difference. But
0: my theory, when you look
2: at male and female, yeah. my theory
0: yeah. is you have an estrogenic brain and you've got a testosterone based brain. And sometimes yeah. some males can display higher amounts of that estrogenic brain, but typically they're testosterone based. And then conversely, you have females that are mostly have that estrogenic brain and that but some females have higher amounts of testosterone. So you have a little bit of, you know, overlap between the two and in, in in back and forth, if you will. But I think generally speaking, I I, I think it's hormonal myself and in and, and the differences between the hormones and, and what estrogen does to
1: you and, and testosterone. And I think that explains I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um... Well, let's, let's talk about this, Greg. You know what's really interesting is uh, she knows a good base of the people I've trained in person because she used to come to the gym. Um, I only work with a certain type of female, <laughs> and that's mentally. Um, yeah. The highly emotional, highly irrational, like if I say, God forbid, I'm like, dude, did you eat bad because your like stomach's hanging over your pants? If I can't say that to <laughs> someone without them crying, like... I'm not going to work with that client very well. I typically tend to work with women's figure and physique way better than I work with women bikini competitors. Have but you had people
0: just break down and start crying too?
1: Oh they, God. Yes. It's been they, awful. They, and it makes they, me want to cringe and just stop the session because I'm like, I don't deal with emotion. We don't yeah. do that. Like me, it's black and white. We do the work, we get the results. And on the flip side of that, because I hate being stereotypical, I don't work with really uh, emotional men very well. Right. You know, if I tell a dude like, bro, you're fucking fat. We ain't got to lose some weight. If they get emotional about that, I do not work well with them. Yeah. Um, I, I do no. very well with black and white people who are very blunt to the point, you know, I, I'm their coach for a reason. I'm not their friend. I'm there to get them better. Like, could you speak on what that is? I mean, so I can work in my opinion, at least with a very masculine type female or a very masculine type personality but I also don't work well with a typical, a, a, a feminine type man.
2: Well, I think that that goes back to your personality because you, you are very, you very specifically compartmentalize things, right? It's black or white. You either ate it or you didn't. Yeah. So for you, so, and, and I tend to kind of be a little bit of both, right? So when I was working with Shelby, um, you know, I didn't say to Shelby, Oh my God, I'm on my period. I gained two pounds this week. I'm so sorry. It's because of this. I'm so emotional. Over Shelby didn't care about that. And I knew that. So my update was up to eight perfect, no changes. You know what I mean? Like so, but where some girls will be like, they wanna give the whole sob story and they want somebody to hear them and they just wanna be they wanna justify their actions because right. The motivation wasn't that they didn't want to get better, right? The personality was, I got to tell you, I promise you I didn't cheat. This is what I did. And so, you know, Chris works with people who are more, you know, masculine, so to speak, male or female, because they don't give the fluff. It's just very specific. This is what I did. This is what I didn't do. And he says, okay, do X, Y, and Z. Um, You know, a lot of females that, that I know, friends, even maybe myself, when when I get on the scale and I'm up a pound and I know I did everything right, it's frustrating. Um, or, you know, I, I, had, I was working with the team at one point and I they upped my cardio or maybe it was Shelby. At the time, I can't remember. But anyway, whoever it was up my cardio. Right. Mm-hmm. And I already felt like I was dying. I literally walked into Chris's office in the gym. I sat down on the floor and started bawling. <laughs> and he was like, "What is the problem?" And I was like, "They up my car." You know, I was freaking out because they up my cardio. And in my mind, it actually it was Shelby. In yeah. my mind, I said, "I can't do." One-. It was two intervals. Like literally, he <laughs> only gave me two more intervals, which is like fifteen seconds. Yeah. And in my mind, I, I I couldn't do anymore. I was doing already doing everything I can. And Chris looked at me and he said, "Get your ass up and go do it." And so I got myself together and I went and got on the treadmill and I did the two extra intervals. And afterwards, I was fine. But it was in that moment, I couldn't, I almost couldn't function. But I needed him to say, listen, this is going to be fine, right? And sometimes if you have somebody that's personality is like that, they need to hear, man, that sucks. You had a really bad day. That yet really sucks. I'm sorry that you lost your job. Let's get back to this. Right. You can still do this. And this is how. And so, you know, that it's not that people can't. No matter what your personality is, it's not that you can't succeed. It's that you have to reframe it a little bit. It's, it's not, you know, okay, black and white, go do this, do that, do that. It might be, well, you know what, why don't you take tomorrow off, get yourself together because one day off in the scheme of things, if they get back on it the next day, it's yeah. going to be a lot different than somebody who just completely falls apart and falls off the wagon.
1: Sure. You know, you do a great job of explaining to me. And I always tell people this, like i trained back the morning. I put my mom in the ground and I'm like, if I can do that, there's no fucking reason you can't go train after work and you do a great job helping me learn to empathize with people of like, bro, people aren't like you. That's not normal. That's not a normal behavior. If most people's mom die, they're going to lose their mind for two to three, four weeks, five weeks. Yeah. A year, you know? Yeah. Like, can you talk about that? Like to, to me, just you've taught me empathy or, or am trying to teach me empathy. And that's something I respect about you is because you have a great way of, like, hearing what people have to say, empathizing with them, and then helping them problem solve on how they can still achieve whatever they want in life. Um, that's cool to me.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, I'm very solution focused. Like, I, I do listen to the fluff and I do emphasize. But then my next comment is, okay, how are we going to fix this? Um, Because it's easy to get with some people if they're very neurotic in their personality, it's easy to get sucked into that. Oh, poor you. (laughs) That's awful. How, you know, and you just get stuck in this ever ending negativity. Um, So, you know. And Chris and I talked about this a lot when his mom died because or afterwards. I don't know if we talked about it then. But, you know, for some people, when they have a a, a pretty serious, significant thing happen in their life, they lose a job, a parent, you know, someone close to them dies, doesn't have to be a parent. Um, You know, they lose a child, whatever it might be. You know, a lot of people have to go through that grieving process. And it's not until they go through whatever the situation is and make that right, that they can move forward with that next step. And again, it goes back to that, you know, that hierarchy of need, if you think about that, it's that they get stuck in the psychological aspect. And so if you if you go through and, and, and Maslow is the person, if anybody's interested in looking at, you know, anybody nerdy out there wants to look it up. But, you know, in the upper tiers before you get to a place of self-actualization where I feel that's where you're most successful. That's where Chris is. And I love that he lives in that world. Um, and, and that's one of the things I love about him because I, you know, I don't, I don't live in that world, but in, if you don't have that belonging or if there's a break in your hierarchy, that sense of belonging, that sense of love, that sense of safety, um, you know, because sometimes you know, traumatic things. You know, somebody breaks into your house, or or there's a fire. you know, whatever it is that could happen, you if you if there's a break in that link, it's really hard to move forward with your personal goals because you get stuck in the now of what needs to be done, right. and that's who I am. I get stuck in the now of. I have six deadlines. I have, you know, I have to be I have to be at every wrestling match because that's the mom who I am and I feel like that's important for my kid. I have to pick my three year old up. You know, I have a host of, of issues that go on in my life. Right. And if I don't make diet, nutrition, training, cardio, all those things part of my daily routine, then you get stuck in them. And I think that's where a lot of people live. They don't know how to enmesh
0: right. the two
2: things, the two worlds, the fitness world and their actual real life. And they, when something happens, they don't need that fitness part anymore. They get rid of it. And what they don't realize is that's the part that actually helps them feel better and actually releases that dopamine and actually helps them to be more successful in those other aspects. So if I have any advice to give anyone who gets stuck in one of those links, it's to keep that routine going. And even when it sucks and even if you have to get up at 5 in the morning to do it, find the time because that's, what's going to take you to the next level. And it's um, at that point, it's not about motivation. It's about being on autopilot and to be successful. That's where you have to go. You have to go to that place of being on autopilot because it's going to actually help you in the long run.
1: You know, Greg, something kind of cool that I saw in uh, the training world where I train tons and tons of people each week. And I'm sure you've seen this as well is anyone coming off a divorce or a breakup (laughs) achieve massive results. Have you ever seen that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, the self motivation that they get
1: and um,
0: off of you know whatever hardship they're going through, a lot of times injury will do
1: that with people too. People get
0: injured, people get yeah, dinged yeah. up. It motivates them freaking more to be a better athlete.
1: Yeah, and you know I always joke for years I was going to write a book called "The Divorce Diet," and not not that I was encouraging someone to go divorce their spouse, but divorce their bad habits. Because if you think about someone who goes through a breakup, right, what happens? You stop sitting on the couch watching Netflix. You stop going out to eat with someone because you don't have anybody. And you replace that with exercise. So people would break up or break up with their husband, boyfriend, whatever. They'd come to me and say, look, I'm 30 pounds overweight. I need to get in shape because I want to find another man. And it's a crazy cycle. They would get like crazy results in 12, 24 yeah. weeks, like 52 weeks in a year. And then as soon as they'd find a mate or a spouse again – they'd revert back to those old habits of they'd start skipping the gym. They'd start, you know, going out to eat more and drinking and partying. And the next thing you know, they would gained all that weight back. And that's something I always thought was kind of cool of, you know, if I could somehow bottle that <laughs> and Absolutely. sell it, um, yeah. you know, divorce those shitty habits, divorce your weak mind, divorce the excuses and attack what you're after. Like, to me like that's really really cool and that plays a huge part in psychology and the way people think and you know that's what i think you know angela's really doing a great job of trying to teach me because i'm just not that dumb meathead that thinks oh well you're just mentally weak and you suck and until you give up those poor behaviors you're always going to be weak and fail yeah Um, that's what she's really taught me so
0: yeah and Angela, I want to really thank you for coming on and giving the listeners and us so much insight to this subject today. This is this is the biggest part of getting in shape and bodybuilding is the mental aspect, and overcoming, okay. um, you know, mental problems, issues, you know, your background, um, and the things that happen to you in life. Kind of form who you are and your lifestyle and how you move forward with stuff and. Um, great talk, um, guys, another great episode, uh, for Chris Edmonds. I'm Greg Jones and Angela Edmonds. We want to thank you for listening to another episode. Tune in next week, guys. Thank you.